How's it going, everybody? Welcome in to the latest episode of Quick Hits. My name is Blake Pace. It is Tuesday, March 2nd. Uh, just a complete dead time in the NFL for being, you know, completely honest. Um, you know, we're getting closer to the beginning of free agency in a few weeks. The draft is still, I believe, nine weeks away at this point. Um, stuff will be picking up. You know, in the near future, as we get into free agency, we'll get some deals, and we've got some stuff to discuss today as well, too, as it pertains to the league right now. Um, holding off on any Russell Wilson talk, uh, trying to see if I can get, at the time of this recording, it hasn't been scheduled, but I'm hoping to see I can get uh, Jack Fitzpatrick, who uh, is very familiar with the Seattle Seahawks. I, I kind of want to have him on to have a conversation about it. Um, and kind of discuss the weird situation that Seattle is currently in. I, I know that's one of the more pressing conversations right now, um, but we'll still have time to talk about it. I don't think this story is going anywhere where between now and Thursday or even next week, Russell Wilson is traded. Um, so we'll, we'll discuss all that later on. Uh, two big things that I wanted to talk about today, obviously the big story of yesterday is that uh, J.J. Watt has officially signed with the Arizona Cardinals on a two-year, $31 million deal. Uh, we'll discuss the impact it has for J.J., what he's got left in the tank, what it brings to the NFC South, what it brings to the Cardinals, all of that. And then, um, you know, one of the other projects that I'm working on this offseason is my NFL Draft newsletter. Yesterday, uh, I released my first big board of the offseason, um, top 50 players, so far in the NFL draft of guys that I've watched, uh, you know, every we're going to have five different big boards between now and the draft. Each of them is going to add 25 more players that I view. Uh, the rankings, I, I just, you know, it takes some time to watch all these guys. So I need to give myself a little space before throwing out 150 names from, from day one. I haven't watched 150 guys yet. But by the time that we get to the draft, we'll have seen 150 or more probably. We'll actually probably be closer to that 200 range. Uh, but we will have kind of add 25 more players throughout the rest of the big board. So the reason that I, I bring all that up is because yesterday's big board came out. And uh, the, the thing that is so surprising to me is, is we had eight Alabama, Alabama Crimson Tide on in, inside my top 50 players. So almost a, almost a fifth of the top 50 products prospects in this upcoming draft class all were on last year's Alabama football team. Um, so, I want to kind of discuss, you know, Alabama's season, you know, this past year, obviously uh, destroying Ohio State in the national championship, really destroying everybody um, and having, you know, this prolific offense, a great defense. Uh, so we're going to kind of talk about that because I, I, I want to take a look at the prospects and then I want to take a look at that Alabama team uh, because there seemed to be this big um, narrative where people were like, hey, don't jump the gun by calling this one of the better college football teams of all time. You know, we, we we're just off of that 2019 LSU team. Everybody was telling us that that was one of the greatest college football teams of all time. There have been some great ones throughout the years. I want to just take a look and see how it stacks up. Maybe this wasn't the most talented team, but I think we take a look at the roster and we take a look at this upcoming draft class, the one after, and even the one following that. We're going to be sitting here 10 years from now, 12 years from now, looking at the NFL and saying, okay, all of these all pros, all of these pro bowlers, all of these starters were on this Alabama team and they make up a great percentage of, of the great players in the league. So I just want to take a look at that because it's just a fun thing and it's relevant to the draft guide. So we'll go into that. But first, as I mentioned, 
Uh, let, let's go back to this uh, this J.J. Watt news. Um, look, good for the Cardinals. They get a talented player. Uh, their defense certainly needs some help. Um, I was actually just drawing up uh, NFC team needs for the offseason uh, that is coming out on Wednesday, March 3rd, in the NFL Draft Newsletter. It was going through the top three needs for, for the Arizona Cardinals. And, uh, you know, Ed Rusher doesn't need to be on there now. Uh, you know, they bring in J.J. Watt to go opposite of Chandler Jones. Um, and let's start with J.J.'s side of it. Good for him. He got paid. I, you know... JJ, the last few years, the uh, talent had been, you know, decreasing a little bit. Still a, a very good, very great starting defensive lineman. Um, but it, you could tell the injuries, the speed, it was all catching up to him a little bit. And we weren't getting the necessarily defensive player of the year candidate type talent from him. Now he goes into a situation where, hey, he's opposite of another great edge rusher, so, hey, he won't be getting all of the looks now. It'll be very like uh, his time when he was able to line up with Jadavion Clowney, and it's, hey, you can't double-team both Jadavion and J.J. at the same time, so one of them is going to be able to get, uh, you know, to the quarterback on most plays through single coverage. So good for J.J. finding a situation where the responsibilities are not going to be as massive as they were in Houston. He was asked to do a ton for that organization. He was really, him and Zach Cunningham were the only uh, decent starters in that front seven. He was the only one on the offensive line. No discredit to who's in Houston, but it's one of the worst rosters in football. So good for JJ finding a situation that A, you know, takes a little pressure off of his plate. He doesn't have to do as much or isn't expected to do as much. Um, with a guy like Chandler Jones opposite of him, and, and we should see an uptick in production because of that. Look, uh, at this point in time, would I have, would I, you know, it, I think back in the first text that I sent is like, could you imagine if this duo was lining up uh, on the same field, you know, five years ago, and you had JJ and Chandler Jones in their primes, you know, two of the best pass rushers we've had. I think they're number one and number two in the NFL in total sacks since 2012. Can you imagine having those two in their primes? So it's unfortunate that they are getting a little bit older. I still think both have a lot left in the tank. Both are definitely quality starters and some of the better guys at their position. Uh, but for JJ, it's great to not be the only guy creating pressure in that front seven. You know, talented linebacker, rookie, um, that they, they drafted, I think, with the eighth overall pick. Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson, um, you know, started this rookie season still trying to find his place, but finished with a good couple of games. His last final month in, in the NFL uh, was promising. So nice to see that you got a little bit at linebacker. Uh, they do have a decision to make with Hassan Reddick being a free agent uh, in this upcoming class. Um so, you know, a, a good situation for him. It's a, it's a team that is trying to win. It's a team that's got talented players. He gets to go and reunite with his former teammate DeAndre Hopkins out there. Um, it, it's an exciting team. He's going from a really bad situation to a, a pretty good one. Now, I still have questions about the Cardinals. I still say that this move, they're still the worst team in that division. I would, I would think that a, the, the Rams and the 49ers still have better overall rosters, and I like their coaching more, and I think consistency is a big thing with both of those guys. And and as long as a quarterback is healthy for the 49ers, they're a winning football team. The Rams obviously should be the favorite in that division after the Matt Stafford trade. And look, at the end of the day, if you're going to tell me that I got to choose between Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray, uh, you know, who can I count on to be 
you know, get the most wins in that division, I'm going to take Russell Wilson still. So I still think that the Cardinals are the worst team in this division, but it's something to get them moving in the right direction. I still think that they need help in the back end of that defense, uh, specifically at corner. Um, I know Patrick Peterson is a an upcoming free agent. Uh, no really strong guys. I know they've drafted a couple guys early on the last few years. Um, I think they spent their 2019 first-round pick on a corner, or maybe it was 2018, one of their first two picks. I, I can't remember. But they do need help on the back end of that defense. Uh, they still need an offensive line. Um, I think people... People watch Kyler Murray make all these amazing plays and and run around out of the pocket and make all these defenders miss and they're like oh well the Cardinals have a have an offensive line fixed it's not as bad as it used to be and yes they've made improvements but I would also say hey you you're making Kyler Murray run around almost every single play to try and make magic because you can't keep him upright and yes Kyler works great out of the pocket you want to use his mobility but I still think that offensive line needs a ton of help I still think that's not a a, an above average or even average offensive line. There's still one or two guys I think you need to add into that mix to say, okay, now it's something I can feel comfortable about where Kyler can stay in the pocket if he wants to. And hey, maybe we're not going to you know, allow our star quarterback to get injured or to get roughed up. Because yes, he is a smaller quarterback, and yes, he did deal with injuries. Uh, you know, in the middle point of the 2020 season, we got to make sure that we're protecting our quarterback. So I still think they've got a few things to address. Uh, wide receiver two is going to be a question. I, I think they could definitely use a better tight end play. Um, Kenyon Drake has been very hit or miss. I think he ended the season on a good note, but I can't really remember. It's just kind of flip flops. So to me still, before we go any further, the, the biggest glaring problem is, is, is coaching as well too. Um, you know, I, I thought that Kyle, uh, that Cliff Kingsbury was going to be able to make things work, and I have been impressed uh, to a certain degree, but I still think that he might hold this team back inevitably, uh, and just in terms of offensive style. I say it all the time. You still need to have balance, and I still think that the Cardinals have failed to necessarily get that um, going with, with Cliff Kingsbury. So, um, you know, would a, would a down season next year surprise me if they had let him go, if, say, they finished like a 6-10? and 10? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they moved on. Uh, from Cliff Kingsbury. I think that, you know, you're in a division with Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, and Pete Carroll. And, and I can shit on Pete Carroll for his defensive stylistics, but he's at least a proven commodity and he didn't get fired from Texas Tech and then somehow his next job is is head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Um, so at the end of the day, the, the, the Cardinals are still the worst team in this division. It is a nice start. It is a good get before free agency begins. Um, it was always it was known that JJ was going to choose a team before free agency started uh, because you know the cap space was still available. You know if you wait until free agency and other guys are getting signed, you're not going to get paid as much because eventually teams are just going to run out of cap space. Uh, so the Cardinals make a big splash. They get JJ Watt. I I hope it's not too late in his career. Um, like I said, I I think the um, the level of responsibility. Being pulled back a little bit is going to be huge for him. I think he could have a really nice, productive season in 2021. And and for the Cardinals, look, it's a two-year deal. You're not really committing a ton of money for the long-term future of J.J. Watt. You're saying, let's see what we can get out of the tank right now. Let's see what we can get out of this duo with him and Chandler Jones. And, and if it goes great, and they can both kind of work with each other, and this can make things... This could be a, a terrifying duo on the edge. Um, but as I've mentioned, they've still got holes to fill, defensive tackle, 
could use another linebacker, cornerback help, offensive line, wide receiver two, tight end. I just the the, the division is too good right now um, to to say okay now the Cardinals are even the third best team in that division in my opinion. Um, now to take a look necessarily at the at the NFC West. Uh, and like I said, I really don't want to get into this Russell Wilson stuff too much, but I think it's just funny that last week Russell Wilson says, hey, I'm, I'm tired of taking all of these hits. I'm, I'm being hit way too much. Uh, he's trying to put pressure on the front office to try and either, you know, get some help here uh, on the offensive line. And the only thing that happened since then is it gets a little bit tougher for him because now you've got, I mean, just to, to list some names, Aaron Donald on the Rams. Leonard Floyd, I you know, if he stays with the Rams or if he leaves in free agency, another talented pass rusher, Nick Bosa. Um, you know, you've got now, like I said, Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt. It's, it's going to be tough sledding for quarterbacks. So, oh, what a fun division. I'm excited to see how Seattle reacts um, in this, in this offseason period because I do think, just in terms of roster talent, I do believe that the Seahawks probably have the least talented roster. Now, I just think that at the end of the day, Russell Wilson, greater than Kyler Murray, I would trust him to be a guaranteed eight wins a season than I would Kyler. You know, Kyler, they finished 500 this year, I believe, but he was banged up. And, and when, you know, he wasn't at his best, they that's when they went down their slow slump. And uh, I always told you guys, if you've been listening to the show since September, I said, look, the Cardinals are going to start off the season six and two or five and three. Their schedule is so easy through the first half and then it gets tougher. So it was, it was fool's gold with how well they started. They were always kind of this middle meh team. This is a move that puts them a little bit further along in the process of, okay, can we contend for a playoff spot? You know, look, you know, they were essentially, you know, it it was between them and the bears for who's going to get that final spot. I'd say they're a better team than the Bears heading into next season. Um, so, you know, unless the Bears can pull off a crazy trade. So maybe this is the move that kind of elevates them into postseason contention. Um, but I, to me, I, there's still more I need to see from them on both sides of the ball. And that, and that's terms of just what they can add in this offseason, how well their draft goes. You know, they're picking in those middle teens. My first mock draft had him taking J.C. Horn, uh, cornerback out of South Carolina. One of my favorite guys to watch of that class. Uh, really physical great length. Um, so if he can slide in there, um, you know, like I said, there's still pieces, but this is the, this is the right first step for him. And, um, I mean, man, to be in that division, to be a fan of, of that, of a team in that division, I mean, to be a quarterback or that's got to keep you up at night because all four of those teams, you could say, I, I don't think there's another division currently that you could say all four teams are playoff contenders. And I'm just running it through my head. At this point, no, there's no other division that's like that. Nope, just went through all of them. There isn't. There isn't another division that all four teams are playoff caliber. So uh, that's officially, I mean, it, it probably was last year the, the best division in all of football. It still is. They just add J.J. Watt. Um, so, you know, the first move of free agency, even though he was, you know, technically... Always allowed to sign before free agency began, but J.J. Watt to Arizona, big move. Um, look, for teams that might have been in the running, it's not one of those things where I'd say, oh, what a bummer we weren't able to land J.J. Watt. That's going to be a massive, um, you know, that's going to be a massive loss heading into next season. If you're a team like the Browns or the Bills or the Packers, no, you've still got plenty of opportunity to address the the um, edge rusher position. Look, 
I mean, I love J.J. Watt. I really do. But if I, if there's a young guy like Carl Lawson available, I'd rather invest my money there because long-term, I feel like it, you can tap into his potential right as he's getting into his prime as opposed to overpaying for J.J. while he's you know slowly getting further and further away from his prime. There's plenty of talented pass rushers. Yannick Ngakwe, there, there's going to be enough guys. So if you're a team that's like, fuck, we missed out on J.J. Watt, that's massive. Eh, I, I don't really think it is. I think at the end of the day... Look, uh, you know, uh, it, it makes sense why he was considering some of these options. You know, Cleveland, I think he's like, well, man, you know, Miles Garrett is great. If I can be opposite of Miles Garrett, it's that same thing, alleviating the pressure. Um, but at the end of the day, he lands out to Arizona. He's officially a Cardinal. And uh, really the first big piece of free agency um, is, a, is officially underway. So I know these topics are, are extremely unrelated, but it, it was kind of just, you know, thinking of stuff to, to talk about right now in the NFL is a little hard to come by. And like I said, I'm saving this uh, Russell Wilson stuff for later on over the next week or so. Um, but, you know, just wanted to tie it in with a newsletter. I, like I said, I put out my big board to, uh, yesterday, top 50 players for the NFL draft, first installment of that. Um, eight... Alabama Alabama Crimson Tide in my top 50. And what's so amazing about that is the next highest number in my top 50 was three. And I believe it was uh, it was LSU and there was one other. Let me pull it up real quick um, just so I, I don't, I don't want to get this wrong. Penn State and LSU each had three players in my top 50, but Alabama had eight. And, and so just to run that through you, and like I said, you know, please do subscribe to the newsletter. Uh, last Friday, we put out our my initial scouting reports for my top nine cornerbacks in this draft class. This Friday, we'll be doing the same with my top linebackers and safeties. We're going to do those every week where we throw out another position. Um, those are the initial scouting reports with just my first few key takeaways, pros and cons. Take a look at their measurables, their 2020 stats. There will be uh, a more in-depth profile uh, closer toward the draft. And I'm thinking what we're probably going to end up doing is a PDF uh, that's essentially my draft guide, mock draft, big board, scouting profiles. Those scouting profiles will have more um, information in there regarding, you know, my grading system. Hopefully if we can get measurables and 40 times and and arm length and all that stuff that we're going to have to try and figure out how it's going to work without this conventional, um, without the traditional, excuse me, combine, uh, so that is all going to be released out there. But like I said, please subscribe to the draft guide. Uh, if you need the link, head to my Instagram or Twitter bio. Click it, sign up. It's just an email address. You just got to put in your name and email address and you're set. Um, if you don't follow me on Instagram or Twitter and you listen to the podcast, shoot me a text. I'll send you the link. Um, send an email to blakeandrewpace at gmail.com. Uh, we'll, we'll be able to get that link to you if you need to find it. Um, so, so back to this class. Let me go through and let me tell you who I currently have in my top 50 from Alabama. So uh, number one Alabama prospect is number eight overall. He's my wide receiver two, and that's Devonta Smith. And what's funny is right behind him at number nine, wide receiver three, Jalen Waddell. Jalen Waddell obviously got injured in the middle of the season. I uh, wasn't able to finish out the year. Devonta Smith, the, the eventual you know Heisman winner, first wide receiver in, I believe, 30 years. Um, but let's keep going down through the list, and then we'll touch on each of them in a little bit. So uh, we have number 17 overall, my third-ranked cornerback, Patrick Sertan, uh, the second. Uh, keep going down. Number 22 overall, and my number one interior defensive lineman, Christian Barrymore. 
24 overall, my number one running back, Najee Harris. Uh, Number 29, my second-ranked interior offensive lineman, Landon Dickerson. Uh, To continue going down the list, a little bit of a jump here. We go to 41 with my seventh-ranked offensive tackle, Alex Leatherwood. Right behind him at number 42 overall, quarterback five, Mac Jones. Um, And I believe that is the last of my Alabama individuals. Let me count that one more time just to make sure I wasn't lying. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There we go. So eight players. Um, and, And a lot of them are at the top of their positions. Like I said, it's my number two and three wide receiver, my number three corner, my number one interior defensive lineman, my number one running back. Uh, my number two interior offensive lineman. Um, and then we've got my seventh-ranked tackle and my fifth-ranked quarterback. Now, that is just absurd. And, and that's just those that are coming out of this current draft class. Uh, you know, I, I like to think about the guys who were picked in the you know first round of last year's draft class. You know, you had the talented wide receivers of Jerry Judy. Uh, you also had Henry Ruggs. And then you flip over and you've also got Tua Tungavailoa. A lot of talented Alabama players these last few years, and then you want to look towards next year. And I'm not, and and these, these are just players that are being mentioned as potential first-round picks next year. I am not in any 2022 evaluation yet, uh, but here are just some of the names. You know, you've got outside linebacker Christian Harris. uh, You've got guard Evan Neal. Uh, If you want to go a defensive end, you've got Justin Igo Igoigbe. Screwed that one up, probably. Uh, But then, let's see. Um, Another mock draft. It's got a couple other names in here. Let me pull them up. Sorry, it's taking a while to load. You have got... Scrolling through. I already said Christian Harris. And then there's... I think I'm just missing one more, which is the uh, wide receiver. uh, Mechie. Mechie. Let me pull up his name, because I'm fucking this up right now. Love dead time, love dead time. Okay, yeah, John Mechie, wide receiver. So that's, what, four more names that I've mentioned in next year's draft class? And, and, and those are guys that are only being considered in the top 32 for those last four that I just mentioned. So right there, that's 12 players. You go to the year before. The, the main thing I want to bring up is Alabama is on a fucking tear right now, and they always have been. But this class is unbelievable. And I really do believe this is going to be one of those situations where we look at the end, like I said, eight to 10 years from now, and we're like, okay, one Mac Jones, serviceable starter, most likely, serviceable starter, Najee Harris, one of the better running backs in football. Um, I I feel confident Jalen Waddle and Devonta Smith are going to be one of the, you know, some of the top wide receivers in football. Got Christian Barrymore, the potential he has, uh, offensive linemen. It's it's just impressive. And at the end of the day, I think we're really going to be able to take a look at these guys and say, holy shit, this is one of the best draft classes that a school has put out in school history. And I know there were a ton, a ton of LSU guys in last year's draft. I'll pull it up just so we can make sure uh, that you know we're, we're stacking it up in comparison because... Yes, I know. There were a ton of uh, LSU Tigers taken in 2019. Let's go through it real quick. 
That's the 2019 draft because I can't type. So the 2020 draft, obviously, first overall, Joe Burrow. Uh, the next LSU guy was at pick 20, Kalevon Chason. Justin Jefferson went 22. Uh, Patrick Queen went 28. And then uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire went 32, 32nd overall. So that was five LSU Tigers in the top 32 picks. For comparison, as I mentioned, I believe we had five that were inside my top 32. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, so five in the top 32. Mac Jones is going to be a first-round draft pick. Just because I have him 40th overall, he will be in the first round. Um, you could make an, uh, a, a case that maybe Najee Harris doesn't get taken in the first round. I think by the end of the day, he gets one of those last few picks in there. But to me, at the very minimum, we're going to have five first-round picks out of Alabama, and I believe we'll have at least three more in the second round. I haven't even gotten to players that are ranked, you know, 50 through 64. So really, it's it's just, it's impressive the work that they're doing. And, and I think, you know, some people like to argue that uh, the the college football landscape isn't as saturated as we like it to be. We would like for there to be, you know, 8 to 12 to 20 competitive programs that are all at the same level. And yes, it's at this point where it's Alabama, Clemson, um, you know, Ohio State. You want to throw a Notre Dame, maybe. You know, it's a very top-heavy uh, landscape in terms of college football, in terms of the top recruiting classes. Some schools are trying to break the barrier, get in there. But really, at the end of the day, it's those top four programs that are always running the show. So yes, I understand that me being overly impressed with Alabama having eight top 50 players uh, is is kind of annoying when you take a look at college football and wish that there was more, you know, uh, more to go around for the other teams to make it more competitive. But I mean, it's it's just unbelievably impressive what they've been able to uh, to get taken care of this uh, this year. And, and I really do at the end of the day believe we're going to take a look at this class and say this is, the most talent uh, to come into the NFL from one specific uh, college football team, and that's the the 2020 Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, now, look, there there could be a situation where none of the, where some of these guys don't pan out, um, but we'll we'll have to wait and see. But I just want to put it out here: we'll save this podcast, we'll bookmark it for 2031. Um, on on March 2nd, I'll come back out and say if I was right or wrong about this. So. Um, that's really, like I said, not a whole lot to cover this time of year. Uh, we will get a lot more in the coming weeks as we approach toward free agency. I want to have Teddy on to discuss some free agency stuff in a couple weeks. As I mentioned, Jack, I want to get him on, um, to try and have some, uh, Russell Wilson conversations as that seems to be the one storyline that's just creeping in the back a little bit. I know it kind of got to the forefront yesterday where, where last week when, Russell Wilson said that there were four teams that he would entertain a trade to, and that got everybody talking, and oh, what about a Dak Prescott-Russell Wilson swap? Um, well, we'll cover all of that. Uh, this is a this is something that is probably, you know, 99% likely not going to happen, but it's at, very least, uh, at the very least entertaining and something that uh, could, could uh, really, you know, uh, shake up the landscape of the NFL if Russell Wilson, a talent like him, was, you know, on the move somewhere. Um, so 
we'll get to all of that. Like I said, subscribe to the NFL Draft Newsletter. Uh, tomorrow's content is going to be uh, NFC team offseason needs. Friday will be my top linebackers and uh, safeties for this upcoming draft class. And then, let's see, next Monday is actually going to be uh, my first two-round mock draft on March 8th. Um, another thing I'll mention now and I'll mention on every podcast as we approach toward it, uh, we are going to do kind of like an Ask Me Anything mailbag Um this can be football related. It can be sports related. It can be life related. Uh, you know, I'm a dumb college student, or God, and I'm I'm two years out of college, and I still refer to myself as a dumb college student. I'm a dumb young adult who does stupid shit every day of his life. But um, I, I, I'm sure I can can give some really laughable life advice if you guys would like that as well too. So um, we're gonna do an Ask Me Anything in the newsletter. So. Uh, if you want to email me questions, blakeandrewpace at gmail.com. Hit up the DMs. I'll, I'll answer anything. Um, and, uh, yeah, that'll wrap up this episode. We'll be back Thursday uh, talking some more. Hopefully we can get the Russell Wilson stuff going then. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at blakeandrewpace. Sign up for the newsletter. Like, review, subscribe to the podcast. I appreciate the continued support. You guys are the best. Take care. I'll talk with you soon. Peace. Peace.